Somebody's holding your name, ah, ah. Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, who can it be? In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen. Well, good morning and welcome back to our five-week sermon series on discipleship. We're in the midst of looking at various aspects of what it means to discern and then live a life of faith, sourced from the lessons we hear in the gospel during what the church calls an ordinary time. Today is week four, and our word is listen. But first, a quick recap of where we have been. On our first Sunday, our word was following, and I shared my reluctance to embrace that word, and I challenged us all to really rethink what that might be for ourselves. I suggested that actually following is a strong and compelling word in our faith requiring great courage. Following Jesus is about choosing a path both inward and into our deepest selves, and then moving out boldly into the world, embracing whatever privileges we have been gifted, and then risking our comfort at times for the sake of a greater good, a greater love. Following takes courage to stand up and speak out and risk whatever it takes to put God's love in the center of our lives in everything we do and in everything we say. The next week, our word was connecting, and we explored the work of my dear friend and theologian Ada Maria Isaste Diaz, as well as Jesuit priest Gregory Boyles, founder of Homeboy Industries, the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and reentry program in the world. Through their work, we were introduced to the idea of reframing and perhaps reclaiming what traditionally has been a phrase that has always troubled me, the kingdom of God. They have asked us to reframe that into a word called kinship, the kinship of God, as a way to underscore the primacy of all relationships. Diaz and Boyle believe that the kinship of God and ability to see our mutual interdependence on each other and the divine is the singularly most radical and maybe transformative in invitation in our lives. And then last week we heard from Amy, our seminarian. She preached about the story of the Good Samaritan and the word was responding. Through the lens of coming-of-age movies, she reminded us that we all have, at times, been both the outsider and sometimes, yes, even the one who walks by rather than responding with God's grace. I also heard in her sermon the invitation to remember that following, that being a disciple, is as much about responding to God's love and grace in our own lives as it is about offering that love to others. And then once we receive that love, we are called to go and do likewise. So here we are today with the word, listen. A week ago yesterday, Kim and I attended the closing Eucharist of the Province 5 gathering in Kalamazoo. 
The Reverend Randall Warren preached a wonderful sermon that I thought about again this week after reading and thinking and praying about the story we just heard about Martha and Mary. In Randall's sermon, he referenced the work of a 19th century German theologian, Adolf von Harnack, who frankly I know nothing about. But he used his writings to highlight Christianity's long, rich, and frankly, kind of weird tendency to constantly put things together that the world would otherwise categorize as opposites. Examples could include consecrating bread and wine, ordinary elements in our lives, and then claiming that they are also the body and blood of Christ or praying over water, which then connects us at the time of baptism to the promise of eternal life. In other words, we are bearers of a tradition steeped in symbolism, giving new meaning and purpose to otherwise ordinary things. In Greek, the word for symbol is symvoia, and is defined as those things that allow people to go beyond what is known or seen by creating relationships between otherwise very different concepts and experiences. In other words, often connecting things that would otherwise be labeled as opposites. Randall went on one step further in his sermon, tracing the etymology of this Greek word to reveal its earlier meaning as two things that are literally thrown or flung together. Jesus did this kind of flinging all the time. He flung together common elements of everyday life to paint pictures and teach us lessons of love and inclusion. He flung together people all the time who the culture had said needed to be divided, rich and poor, young and old, healthy and sick, hungry and fed. So what do we hear about flinging in the gospel today? What might Jesus be flinging together? You're going to remember that, aren't you? Flinging together. And is there something special? Is there something special to be listening for as we think about discipleship? All right, first, a warning. This is one of the few times in Scripture when I'm actually quite annoyed that the two, two main characters are women. Why? Because too often, this complex and compelling story about discipleship has devolved into an unhelpful and, in my opinion, uninteresting argument about women's roles in the church, women's roles in leadership, women's roles in society, etc., etc., etc. Because they happen to be women, we have unfortunately let the narrative dichotomy of the story work or sit, be busy or be still, become a functional dichotomy in how we understand, categorize, and far too often judge and restrict the options facing women. You could say amen. All right, I'll go on. So instead, what else is there to listen to in this story? Maybe, just maybe, this story is not about a conflict between two women not a conflict between Mary and Martha, or two sisters, or between two options for how women should behave, busily attending to either women's work of running a household, or listening attentively to the male leader. 
or about any other number of themes that, again, I think we have placed on this story simply in order to validate our own cultural assumptions. There, I said it. Instead, maybe this story is about listening to what happens when Jesus flings people together. When a story gets flung together like this, maybe we can see people who usually are labeled as opposites having something in common. Maybe it's a story about timing and priorities. Maybe it's a story about circumstance and context, about a continuum of realities that make up a full life of discipleship. What if this story is exactly the opposite of what we heard? In fact, what if it is permission that we need to live faithfully in the midst of our very complicated lives? Creating a meaningful symbol of living in the midst of demands, not pitting one against the other, but carving out a path right through the messy, messy middle of our lives. A path that demands different behaviors. A path of discipleship requiring a new way of listening. A path constructed by stringing together each and every moment of our lives, seeking integration and peace and forgiveness and reconciliation. Dare I say, even kinship. I was recently reminded by a dear friend that Martha and Mary may indeed represent the yin and yang of what it means to be human, different expressions of a shared reality, creating a full expression of our lives at any point. And this is why learning to listen is part of discipleship. Once we have flung together Martha and Mary, they become a reminder, a symbol of the deep and arduous work of discernment or deep listening. We are getting a firsthand experience of this kind of deep listening in the vision work we have st started together here at Trinity. We have now had two vision sessions in which collectively we have been listening for God's dream for us over the next 10 years. I will say that I am surprised already by our ability to work together, not because we have any conflict necessarily, but because anytime you gather more than three Episcopalians in the room, you're bound to have at least four opinions and a wide range of perspectives and personalities and preferences. But instead, we have been invited, we have been invited to stop and listen to listen and then trust the process, to listen to each other, to listen for the still small voice needing to be heard. Now, some of us are born listeners, others are married to them. You know those people that have a natural ability to quiet the voices inside and simply put down distractions and recognize the exquisite beauty of each moment? Others of us need a little help. I'll be happily starting a support group for that group over here after church. So maybe that's my favorite part of the story. God has a beautiful way of flinging us all together, learning how much we need each other, 
I hope that we read and hear the story of Martha and Mary going forward, not as the pitting of two women against each other, but instead a marvelous story of Jesus flinging two women together to make a perfect whole, a connection, a faithful response, a symbol of discipleship, a story of two faithful disciples who at any moment, just like us, may need the other to help put down her distractions and her worries so that they can sit together side by side and truly listen and hear the voice, the love, the vision that brings them closer to the kinship of God. May it be so.